yeah, it is a bit of a struggle because like you're, there's always a tension between needing to grow, but needing to make sure that you are like revenue and cash flow conscious. Um, and so having to be careful about not over investing in things that could be overhead or making commitments that the business may or may not be able to afford, um, but then also staffing properly. So it, it's a, and I'm not sure that that is a problem that ever like goes away. I think that's always just part of running a business and how you have to make decisions. Welcome to the Unlocking Your People podcast. We believe that successful businesses run on people and relationships. The better your people perform, the better your business will perform. This show is dedicated to business owners and team builders that are looking to get the best out of their people and workforce. Each episode will be a strategy, a message, and even tips and tricks to help you create and cultivate a passionate workforce for your organization. Your host has spent her career helping companies and leaders handle the tough people stuff at work and helping people work better together so they can increase their impact and their results. CEO of E3 Consulting, Jess Chapman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unlocking Your People. We know that there are many challenges involved in unlocking that potential and handling all the tough people stuff that comes along with people in the workplace. But it can be particularly challenging when you're trying to do that in a small business and balance all of the hats that you wear, including doing a lot of the delivery work while trying to figure out how to unlock your people. So today, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by Crystal Hobbs, who is the CEO of Reflective Marketing, and Ashley Smith, who is the CEO of Fundamentals Inc., to talk about that conversation. How do you balance the people side of things when you're a small business and you have to keep all the balls in the air? So looking forward to their thoughts and them sharing their thoughts with you. And as always, love to hear what you think on any of our social media channels. So welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening in. I am joined today by two wonderful women. Um, Ashley Smith is the owner and managing director of Fundamental Inc., a socially focused firm that provides consulting for climate-based action. And Crystal Hobbs, who is the owner and chief strategist of Reflective Marketing, which is a social media marketing agency that helps businesses get known and grow on social media. Now, both of those businesses are very successful and both are pushing quite hard for growth. Um, So I'm thrilled to have both these ladies here to join us to chat about some of the challenges of running that small business when you have to wear all the hats and your team is quite small, but still accomplishing all the great things that you need to accomplish as your business grows. So thank you very much for joining us, ladies. I really appreciate having you here. Thank you. I'm excited. Me too. So one of the first things that I wanted to chat a little bit about with both of you is the kind of getting started side of things. So quite often I find People start businesses because they have a a passion for something or they are technically good at something that they do. And then they get into running a business and it starts to grow and they realize that they're going to have to take on people. And the people leadership side is a little different than the technical side of their business. And they have to wear more hats and juggle more balls than perhaps they were originally thinking 
it might turn out to be. So as, as two women who are doing that, are, are wearing the hats, are driving for growth, I'm curious to know how you found the transition to running a business and to, to kind of taking the leap on of taking on people and whether there was anything that you've specifically done to make that bit of business leadership a little easier. So maybe I'll ask Crystal first. Is there anything, Crystal, how did you find it when you took on people and, and what have you been doing to make it a better or easier part of the world that you occupy? Yeah, I think for me, I going into owning a business, I knew I didn't want to work alone pretty early on. Um, I found it too much to be doing all the things. And I think I hired my first employee like six months into the business, which is pretty early. Um, I was fortunate that my first employee was a good friend of mine who we went to university together and worked on a lot of projects together. So I knew we worked really well together and she was very independent. So I didn't really have to manage her. (laughs) So I think, but I quickly learned that there were obviously some pieces I was missing. When she moved on to another job, I asked her, you know, how did you find working for me? Like, do you have any feedback? And she said, you know, I just never really knew what good was. I was like, oh. (laughs) So at that point, it kind of occurred to me that I need to have objectives for my employees. I need to give them regular feedback. I need to be a leader in some sort of way rather than just, okay, you go do the thing. See you later. Yeah, that direction setting portion of it. Yeah, very, very. And what about you, Ashley? Similar, different? A a little different. Uh, but I I feel like I'm facing similar things to Crystal. Um, so I I started the business so that I could do the kind of projects that I wanted to do, and I had uh, autonomy to um to 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 work and earn income for the family, but also. Uh, have time to raise my children. Um, and so, so that's where I started. And so I never really intended and still am not a hundred percent sure I've made the right decision, um, as for growing and, and like needing additional employees to do this work. So I have a vision of what I hope to accomplish using the business as the tool. Uh, And for me to do that on any scale, it's going to have to be more than just me. I am only one woman. (laughs) And although I may be occasionally mighty, um, I cannot do all the things all the time. Uh, Occasionally with a lot of chagrin. (laughs) But I do do have goals. So uh, my first hire um, came uh, about a year and a half into the business. It was someone that I had worked with before. Um, and I knew exactly what I was getting. I knew that she was extraordinary and quite independent. And so, uh, in that respect, Crystal, it was quite similar in the sense that uh, she worked autonomously and was amazing. So I, I didn't really need to be much of a supervisor. Um, and so uh, that worked quite well for about a year. And then it became apparent that uh, like I had additional, uh, work, um, and the, the second business was also like starting to grow. And so I was wearing really quite a lot of hats. Um, and so that like that's when I got another. And that one is, is I don't want to say it's going badly because that would that would be a misrepresentation. But um, it, like there is a clear realization that not all people are like me in the first hire. 
and that I'm going to have to be um, more of a supervisor than I originally anticipated. Uh, something Jess has said to me before is that you underestimate the need for communication. Um, and I, I was definitely guilty of that. Um, so yeah, it is a bit of a struggle because like you're, there's always a tension between needing to grow, but needing to make sure that you are like revenue and cash flow conscious. Um, and so having to be careful about not over investing in things that could be overhead or making commitments that the business may or may not be able to afford, um, but then also staffing properly. So it, it's a, and I'm not sure that that is a problem that ever like goes away. I think that's always just part of running a business and how you have to make decisions. It's certainly something that comes up with some of our even bigger clients. And I was chatting with uh, Gina Pecor, um, who is the CEO of Genoa. We did a session and we were also talking about the challenges of people growth. Right? And they're pushing for 100 million. So I'm not sure it ever does go away. I think it looks a little different at different stages of growth, but I'm not sure it ever goes away. You both kind of hit on the the independence factor. So, uh, Crystal, I guess I'll come back to you. So you said your first hire was independent. You, you both hired people you knew, and I guess there's a portion in that a comfort zone in terms of what you're getting. Um, then there's a realisation for both of you that perhaps that additional bit of direction is required. So what have you what have you done since then? How have you uh, turned the dial upon that for your more recent hires? Yeah, good question. I think regardless I kind of look at my employees, all of them, like unicorns. I'm like, how did I find you? Because you're so amazing without any input from me, which is awesome. Um, but I have learned that I have to formalize things a little bit more than I would naturally be inclined to. So even in terms of every Monday doing like a one-hour team meeting to talk about the week and what we have planned and to touch base on you know, are there are there things that are impacting their work that's outside of their control? Are there obstacles that they're running into? How is their time tracking going? All those sorts of things, as well as a Friday meeting where we kind of look back on the week, figure out what worked, what didn't. And we also talk about the wins of the week. So we do a little fun like rah-rah, here are all the great things that happened this week. And I find that's a big part of, you know, keeping morale high and, and showing everybody like, these are all the awesome things that we're doing. In addition to that, I also do biweekly meetings one-on-one -on -one with my team so that that is an opportunity to discuss how things are going and kind of, it's a way that if there are issues, we can kind of nab them quickly as opposed to letting things fester and go on. And also as a leader and someone that is a little bit more laid back, I find it kind of keeps me on my toes as well. And I can ask them for feedback on, you know, and one question that I ask in every biweekly meeting is what's one thing I can do to better support you? Because it is my natural tendency to kind of let them go do their own thing and forget that I'm supposed to lead them in some cases. Yeah, love that. And the opportunity for that one-to-one -one time, I mean, they, they may be the most competent, confident people in the world, but there are going to be things that they want a sounding board on or things that <clears throat> are going to shape how they feel about coming to work that you are the only person that can have an input into. So that, that time to connect 
off task I find that's a really good habit to get into with people no matter how many people you get to and then you know actually I'm thinking about your piece but I don't know I don't know if this is the direction I want to go in and I would imagine there are plenty of people out there including myself who have those days those moments of ah, right so there's a reason people like me exist but the people challenges of what we do um and there was a gentleman that we used to do work with who was a CEO and he was like, I, I love my business. I love the business I run. I love everything we do. I am not good at people. I am not good at leading people. I am not good at working with people. I am not good at reading people. It is just that is not what I that is not what I'm good at doing. And when it got to a certain point in his growth trajectory, he his hire was somebody that was his right hand who handled all the people stuff. So, you know, it's not always I think that you have to do it forever. It's just early days. There's usually not the budget to have that extra person who's usually a fairly hefty salary tag sitting alongside you to do those people business. Challenge. Challenges. Lots of challenges. What's um what's been your biggest people challenge so far? So it doesn't have to be people as in employees, it could be customers, clients. But what's been the biggest people hiccup you've had and what advice would you give to other people in, you know, in your kind of shoes? So I'm gonna actually burst on that one. Um it's a, it's a solid question. Um, I'm going to sort of land on that, like, sort of internally, the biggest issue is probably me. Because <laughs> I agree with you, Crystal, like the people that I work with um, uh, in the various capacities are all extraordinary. They're wonderful, caring, really committed human beings. Um, and I think that like any of the issues that we have faced uh, have more to do with me being able to manage things than them being able to do stuff. Um, like, and I, I say that with true sincerity. Um, and what has kind of gotten us through is a willing to be open and discuss and talk about it and me being quite honest about the fact that my life is pretty well preposterous pandemonium most of the time um because running two businesses and having two children under five all at the same time um is is an adventure to say the least um and so I mean once I sort of realized like where the issue was that like the issue was about me not being able to give them clear direction or me thinking I did and clearly have not um and like recognizing that you know if someone doesn't know what they're supposed to do they're not going to do it very effectively <laughs> it's definitely a problem um so recognizing that and I mean at that point that was like when Jess I enrolled in your program for the supervisory skills and that's been really helpful um a, a lot in just being conscious of the fact that um you know, like how I perceive myself and how others perceive me in the context of running my business is really uh, not the same thing. Um, and nor should it be. It's just not a thing that I think of. Like, I'm just me. And I'm usually so, um, like, interested in, like, output and achieving something that I kind of forget that there's a there's a whole other aspect to what is actually happening. Um, so, uh, so that's been kind of the biggest like a people challenge that I faced is just sort of recognizing and defining uh, and a little bit that like I waver, like I want to say daily because I don't think it happens quite that often, but like weekly or monthly on whether or not um, like I, I actually want to own 
you know, like the Walmart size business. Like I, maybe I do, maybe I don't. I'm not sure in like what direction I'm kind of going in um, because I derive so much satisfaction from the doing of the thing. Like that's one of my core motivators that removing me altogether from that space, I don't think unless I can somehow wrap my head around the fact that like like growth just means I have lots of arms to do lots of things. Uh, unless I can wrap my head around that more solidly, I'm not super sure that I ever want to get so big I'm not I'm not involved. I say that I don't, like I have no idea. My kids are growing. My life changes every day. <laughs> I have no idea, but that's sort of where I am right now. And I think that that's a totally fair and very genuine struggle that I think a lot of people have. And it's particularly now, I'm, one of the things we're finding with COVID and the pandemic is people's mental capacity is not the same as it was pre-COVID, right? You don't have as much brain bandwidth to deal with things. And so I think there's a lot of people questioning, how much of this do I want and what do I want it to look like? And there's a difference for me between being the person that runs the company and is happy to be in the company and the person like there's nothing to stop somebody being an owner but not being a ceo like there's plenty of people out there who have taken the their organizations to a point and gone actually this is not you know that that path there is not the right path for me and actually that's the conversation gina and i were having uh, when we did our discussion and, and she even said when we get to the point that we're 75 to 100 million i don't know if it's me i don't know if that's the value i want to add i know what value i bring i know what value i enjoy bringing and I'm not sure that that's the role that's right for me. So, you know, I think I don't know that that's a question you ever stop grappling with. But I like the the honesty and transparency that you have when you bring that to the table with people, because otherwise they're going to be wondering why you wobble without knowing the debates you have with yourself. So good. Awesome self-awareness portion for sure. What about you, Crystal? I think for me, the biggest challenge with people has been identifying the wrong fit and it's because the people that I hire even the ones that haven't worked out have all been wonderful talented people just not right for that particular role so I find that's something I've really battled with is when when is someone the wrong fit and yeah I guess also making sure that there are things in place so that I'm squashing issues early because I know for me, my personal like area of weakness, I suppose, is giving feedback. I'm terrible at it. And I know based on all the wonderful disc profile work that we've talked about that, you know, I'm high on the S side of things. I need for things to be harmonious. I need for people, everybody's together and we're such a great team and everything's so wonderful. So when there are issues there, I really, really struggle with identifying that, being clear on that, giving firm feedback because I want to give people an out. I want to give them an excuse. I want to, I often look to myself to see what have I done wrong? What could have, I could have done differently. And that's something that I'm still every day working on. Are you enjoying the show this far? We know the people stuff in your business can be tricky to nail down. Each scenario feels unique on its own. We go through so many resources and tools with the podcast. It's tough to keep up. We get it. 
So what if you had all the right tools and training to help your organization be successful every single day with your people and the culture you're building? Jess and her team have created a range of training programs that can help you with all the different challenges of unlocking your people. For the challenges of leadership, there are two core programs, Elevate for supervisors and Propel for more senior leaders. Both programs dig deeper into the concepts, frameworks, and skills that you've heard throughout this podcast series. From building trust and empathy, to having those tougher people conversations, to managing conflict, and so much more. To see which program makes more sense for you, please go to www.e3.ca training for the full breakdown. The best part? All the programs are fully virtual and modular, meaning you can do them anywhere, anytime, and fit them into your busy schedule. And if you're facing particular challenges in building your team, managing change, or managing performance, we have online toolkits that can solve your unique challenges today. Once again, www.e3.ca slash training. Now, back to the show. funny because one of the questions I was going to ask you both was about how do you decide when it's time with somebody and uh, and how do you build a feedback culture which maybe we'll get into in just a second um you you've definitely moved the dial so if you were gonna give everybody one one tip or one thing that's helped you kind of inch closer to being comfortable with the on the nose feedback and making the call what what would it be I don't know Jess I don't know. I think it's um, maybe truly listening to your gut and then looking for evidence to either validate or contradict that. Because I think in every situation I've known very early on, but I also don't want to be in a position where I've already made the conclusion. You know, I want to give them an opportunity to show that they are a fit and to see if it's a systems problem or maybe I'm not communicating things well or what that is. Um, But yeah, I'd say ultimately just listening to yourself, but then making note of the evidence that either supports or contradicts that. That's a great piece of advice. You'll notice things, right? You notice things all the time what you're talking about is noticing it and talking yourself out of noticing it. Well, maybe, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was the systems or maybe nothing wrong with ever asking the question. And like the last few conversations we've had, you are acting on the noticing a lot sooner than you were before, I think. So how do you, or what do you think about the feedback side of things? So from my perspective, getting to a place where so you talked about actually those open transparent conversations where you're kind of just putting everything on the table I think are fundamentally important to helping the organization move forward in the right way but how do you do that like what what do you, you know what do you guys do to create a place where there is feedback and there are open conversations how do you get the team talking to you in the same way that you talk to them whoever wants to answer me first um I can I can I can start. Um, so, uh, being a parent definitely gives you a lot of practice <laughs> on being compassionate while still giving fairly direct feedback. So that that definitely helps because you're put in a situation where, as a parent of young children, anyway, um, 
like they they're looking to you for direction and they're testing out all kinds of behaviors because they trust you. Uh, and so you have to find a voice that you can deliver those messages with um, in a way that shows them you care about them and uh, but still gives them the information they need uh, to learn how to interact with others or be successful or manage their own emotions or whatever it is that we're struggling with. So um, hilariously, ironically, being a parent is actually really helpful um, because it forces you into uh, like relationship discussions that you would not normally <laughs> have an opportunity as a single person. Um, like when I say single, I just mean without children as a childless person. Um, so there is that. I also think uh, something comes with age. Um, like 20-year-old Ashley uh, is not the same sort of decision-making person as 40-year-old Ashley in various capacities. I mean, I know neurobiology does change. I'm definitely more risk-averse. Um, you know, 20-year-old Ashley would laugh at 40-year-old Ashley in a lot of instances. But um, you do sort of get to a point where it becomes less about you somehow. I don't know how to say that in a way that uh, maybe doesn't sound ridiculous. And maybe that is just me and it's my own personal trajectory and it has nothing to do with anyone else. But um, I was far more concerned with what other people thought of me um, when I was younger than I am now, like on various levels. But what has happened to that is I've sort of settled into like what was originally there as a comfort level but I've settled into that really nicely so I I approach it from a place of uh, you know like we are just all who we are it's quite clear that you care um otherwise you wouldn't be here we would like probably I wouldn't have hired you in the first place if there wasn't some sort of you know connection there um and that like it, you just need to be honest and compassionate recognizing that like they they have a perspective and you have a perspective, but it doesn't help anyone if you're not honest. It doesn't help anyone to let it sit. It doesn't help anyone. And so, and often like once you get through that initial like icebreaker kind of thing, um, the conversation actually goes really well. And I always started just with being honest with them. Like, look, you know, I, like I've had times in my life where things have not gone how I wanted them to. And uh, times when I could not even identify why that happened, uh, you know? So like, we have to work this out, you know, like you're here, I'm here, there's only us, we have to solve a problem. Um, and uh, that's how I approach it in just being genuine in myself. I mean, I internally, I don't censor myself very much, like what you see is what you get with Ashley Smith, generally speaking. Um, and I've just relied on that sort of authenticity. And I mean, caring about that the other person is a person and wanting them to feel you know helpful in a part of something and that sort of carries me through I don't have a set formula or anything I just sort of talk to them and like I want to say hope for the best I mean I do come to that conversation with some intentions um but that like we just work it through um and hope that like honesty and compassion will like resolve whatever's on the go well the 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 care part is a massive part of it, right? Like from for whether you look at it from a neuroscience perspective and what pushes our buttons and the need for relatedness or simply the case of when you feel somebody is invested in you and they give you feedback, it doesn't seem to land so heavily. You know, if, if your team know your intentions are good, right, and they understand that you're invested in them as people, you can have some of the more tangly conversations without it going quite as 
you know, difficulty as it, it might in other circumstances. True, difficulty is a word. There you go. Crystal, your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think everything Ashley said makes sense and, you know, caring about your people and wanting them to do well. And I think for me, as someone who struggles with feedback, I try to keep that in mind that this is about helping them improve. Um, and because of my personality type, I think for me, it's been key to integrate feedback into regular work life. Otherwise I would never do it. So <laughs> yeah, like never, never. <laughs> so having those one-on-one -on -one meetings and I think that as well, knowing when not to give feedback. So I try to be conscious of being a small team. If there's an issue with something, I will not bring it up in front of other people, making sure that that is like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Um, but yeah, just making it part of the regular way of working makes it not such a big deal. And I think it's easier for me to bring things up, but it's also easier for my team to hear it. And some of the things you taught me as well, just like noting and naming. So I noticed that you did this. Tell me about that. So having those conversation openers, I think have been really big for me. So if it's something, you know, just to open that conversation, like I saw that this happened, tell me about that. Or if it's been something that's more concerning and I need to be firm on it, again, really struggle with that. but having some scripts like this is really concerning me or this is something I feel that you really need to work on and I need to see some improvement on. So knowing how to say what I'm trying to say has made a huge difference as well. Yeah. We can very easily slide into fluffing it, right? Because you worry about how the other person's going to feel about what you say and then you kind of start fudging or hedging around how you say it in fact I was watching an episode I don't know if you're familiar with the show Superstore it's very funny I was watching it last night and the, the manager struggles to have very honest or direct conversation with anyone and he needed to fire the security guard so he called him in had a conversation with him and said it's time for you to go now and the guy said oh okay great and got up and left thinking it's time for me to leave the meeting not it's time for me to leave the store and he tried to fire him two or three times in the episode and didn't work because he couldn't be direct enough in the conversation and that for me happens all the time so I love that you're thinking about you know it's choice of language yes it's the flags right how do I flag for somebody and make sure that what I'm saying that makes total sense in my head makes perfect sense for the person sitting opposite me it's not always as easy as it sounds well, I think we've got time for one more. So um, more of a general question. So if you think about people who are kind of where you are or maybe aspiring to start that business, to take on people, to spin the plates and go for the goal, as Ashley called it, and, and you know get that vision out there, however you accomplish it with your business, um, what are the top two things, what are the top two pieces of advice you would give people who are trying to be where you are? <laughs> um and just related to people or just generally people but also from from I include you as people right so part of what we talked about today is the challenges of all the hats or do I even want this and some of the debates I mean that's as much for me about 
unlocking people because if you're not clear on you and what you're about and what you want it's very difficult to be honest and genuine with other people and the word that actually gets using is authentic which I really like like being you whatever you is is really important because otherwise people are going to second guess you and, and not trust you so it could be related to you and the role you play it can be related to the team it can be related to any anything of those pieces so but yeah more in the people space than not yeah, I think one thing that comes to mind to kind of play off what Ashley said earlier about, you know, she started the business because she liked doing the work. For me, I went through a bit of a period of apathy, for lack of a better term, um, probably a couple of years ago. And when I really analyzed, like, why, why do I not care about how things are going at the moment? Part of it was that I felt a bit stuck. But the other part was that I stopped doing the things that gave me energy. So one of those things is I need to be directly connected with our clients. It doesn't have to be through doing the work. It doesn't have to be through being their main account manager. But when I essentially stopped selling, um, that's when I found my motivation just really took a nosedive. And it was because I wasn't having those conversations with entrepreneurs all the time. And that's what I loved was connecting with other people. So now I know that for me in this current stage of my business, being the primary salesperson is a big part of what motivates me. So knowing that it's easier for me to figure out what pieces to delegate. Yeah, and your motivation level is so key because if you are apathetic, that coming in and motivating everybody else gets super hard. Yeah, love that. Ashley? Um, I like what you said because I'm still sort of struggling about how, like what role I have to play internally and what I can delegate, like what what it is with me. So um, and talking about motivation. So anyone who is wanting to start their own business. I have sort of two things because I think that they're a critical um, in terms of success is that whatever motivates you to start that business has to be really strong. It has to be strong enough to carry you through all the, oh my God, what have I done with my life moments? <laughs> and um, like, it has to be somehow rooted in like a core value or a core principle, because otherwise I don't, I don't, think unless you're just trying to like like create a money machine to sell which is also a perfectly viable thing to do but if you want like if you want to run the business or if you want to operate that business like you have to really care or really like what it is um because it gets hard and you you need that core motivator to keep you going uh and the other thing that i would say is that you have to have a willingness to be flexible uh, like in every aspect of yourself. So you have to be willing to be flexible with schedule. You have to be willing to be flexible with like emotional states. Like you have to, you have to not be a person that takes a really long time to like move through the emotions. Like it really does like, you know, a thick skin and an elastic heart, I think to quote a Sia song. Um, but like, you really do need that because you like, there are so many like ups and downs and you get overstimulated and pulled in so many directions that you really do have to have a clear um 
motivation and you have to have a willingness to sort of like be the center to let it all happen around you and choose the things that are important and kind of move in those directions. Um, because otherwise, I, 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 like it'll be really difficult. And maybe that's just how I've chosen to run my business. I'm not sure. As I say, I mean, I think businesses are extensions of the people who create them. So I mean, a lot of that may be um, like how another person might choose to do it is very different. But I, I would argue that those two things are pretty central based on conversations that I've had with other people who own businesses um, that uh, like, like sort of sufficient and necessary to be an owner. Yeah, I, would say. I mean, if you if you can't get out of bed in the morning and be excited about what you do, how are you ever going to persuade anybody to buy or whatever you're doing, or come join you in whatever you're doing, right? And it is it's the 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 stage of growth where you're trying to juggle everything and figure things out and doing far more of the doing uh, as well as trying to do all the leading. It's a tough it's a tough spot in the growth. It's also super exciting, um, but it's not an easy stage of growth to be at for sure. Well, thank you both very much for joining us today and for sharing your wisdom and your authentic views on leadership and people and wearing all the hats and loving people who are independent and struggling with the feedback. I think that that's a, a, a great truthful story that people need to hear. And hopefully there were some nuggets in the insights there that will help people uh, figure out that they can take away and make their lives a little easier when they're trying to unlock the people in their business. So thank you both very much. Um, um, and if you're interested in any of the topics that we talked about today, you can check out our website at e3.ca and sign up for our newsletter. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Unlocking Your People podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead. Take a screenshot and share this episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when leaders have the right strategies and frameworks to tackle the tough people stuff within their business and organizations. To learn more about how Jess and her team can potentially help your organization unlock the potential in its people, take a look at the options at www.e3.ca. The better your people perform, the better your business will perform. Once again, it's www.e3.ca. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.